Welcome to Cartoons, a celebration of the music and artists we love to listen to in the car. Proudly supported by Cam Clark Ford. Visit them today at camclarkford.com. Welcome back to Cartoons, a podcast series that celebrates Alberta artists and their music you've likely listened to in your car over the years. I'm your host, Paul Brandt, and today we're delving into the musical journey of Leslie Feist, a celebrated figure in the global indie pop scene who you know simply as Feist. Her journey from Calgary's punk scene to international acclaim is a story of artistic evolution and a deep connection to her Alberta roots. Feist's musical beginnings include her founding and singing lead vocals with the punk band Placebo in Calgary at 15 years old. Feist shares how her early experiences in Calgary's punk scene influenced her musical style and approach. As a teenager, playing what you're feeling is to be loud and quiet, loud and quiet. And punk bands in the early days or hardcore bands, basically you don't have a lot of chops, so you're dealing with dynamics in a volume sense. And I did that for about five or six years, just working on a really loud chorus, then a really quiet verse, and then a really loud chorus. And then as I got older, me and all the people I was playing with, we all you know, started to get a little bit more proficient, then melodies became more interesting. In 1995, Feist took some time off from singing to recover from damage to her vocal cords and moved to Toronto. She took on playing the bass, rhythm guitar, and lead guitarist for a selection of Toronto's bands before joining a friend on a tour in the UK. Her breakthrough as a solo artist came with her second album, Let It Die, which showcased her eclectic mix of jazz, bossa nova, and indie pop. gone so many ways. At that moment, I had my foot on like five hinges that were all... I was getting invited to go over to Europe and I had been making my demos. I lived with Chris Murphy, my first boyfriend from Sloan, and had a four track and, a, and his computer and I had been making all these early demos. And so taking those demos to sort of my crew over here, Broken Social Scene, or taking those demos overseas and what am I going to do? What is this? Is this a record? I don't know really what I'm doing. And I'd never worked in a proper recording studio before. I'd never had a producer. I'm like, what's that? Oh, is that the guy that plugs stuff in? And so we recorded that, and it slowly became apparent that it was a record. I'd gotten my bearings in a, in a studio. So it, it kind of happened. Maybe that's one of those commitments that I just sort of backed into. I didn't know that I was making Let It Die. you know. And so somehow I got a record deal. It was just so strange. And based in France, and it's still alive now. That's a 20-year deep record deal that I've had based in France this whole time. And it was just the greatest luck ever. Secret heart, what are you made of? What are you so afraid of? Could it be? Three simple words All the fear of being overheard What's wrong? Little man on the secret heart 
She moved to Paris, toured around the world, and won Best New Artist at the Juno Awards in 2004. Thank you very much. I am a soft and sucky person, and I wouldn't be very strong if it weren't for my human shield. Thank you. After close to a lifetime of creating and playing music around the world, in 2007, Feist released the album The Reminder, which catapulted her to international fame. One, two, three, four, tell me that you love me more. Sleepless, long nights, that's what my youth was for. Oh, 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 you're changing your heart. The album's hit single, One, Two, Three, Four, became a global sensation after being featured in a commercial for the iPod Nano. Feist shares how this song's success impacted her career and what it was like to receive such widespread recognition. It was overwhelming, and I suppose had I not already been on the road for so many years or hadn't already made many records with different friends or had that band, that feeling of belonging somewhere, getting signed to a label and looking at it truly like... I am grateful for someone to help me now. You know, that's how I looked at being on a major label. It was, oh my God, someone's going to help me book some shows so I don't have to do it all. Like I had done it myself for so long that I think that all served me to understand that that moment, I knew how to meet it. I knew how to work it, like how to work Clydesdale style, show up to the job and be able to carry this extra stuff that was getting hoisted on my back and carry it. But at the same time, it was, there was momentum to it and... It felt a little wild and out of control and very, like, more than a human body could sustain. It was sort of G-force and not entirely pleasant. And eventually it felt good to say, like, okay, by no metric will anyone say I didn't show up to this moment and do my best and do my darndest, but I just need to take a breather now. Feist experienced countless career highlights because of the success of 1234, including being featured on the cover of New York Times Art Section, selling a million copies of the album worldwide, winning Single of the Year at the Junos, and being featured on Sesame Street singing a variation of the tune to help kids to count. One, two, three, four, monsters walking across the floor. I love counting, counting to the number four. Oh, you're counting. So one less than five and one more than three Whoa, oh. We're counting to four Whoa, oh. Let's count some more The incredible opportunities continue to pour in for Feist, including being photographed by Annie Leibovitz for Vanity Fair, appearing on Stephen Colbert, and becoming a musical guest on Saturday Night Live. In 2017, Feist released Pleasure, an album that would win the Polaris Music Prize. Thank you. Thank you so much, and I've been really inspired tonight. And I'm going to stop talking now. Bye. This album represented a continuation of her evolution as an artist, delving into deeper and more introspective themes. I and you are the same man, either fiction or dreaming.
pleasure. Like it took forever, felt like forever. It was an arduous time, you know, it took a long time for me to care and want to write and then get ready to make the record and have it arranged and queued up to be able to record. And then the whole thing just, it's increments of getting ready. And then the stories that I was considering or wondering what to write about is this sort of limbo state. I mean, singing is a proclamation. You're you're so sure of something that you're now going to say it over and over and over and you're going to encapsulate it in a song, you're going to amplify it, you're going to turn it into like something you know, some sort of little thought bubble that belongs in history or something. And the state I was in was not that place. I didn't know much at that moment. You know, it was a bit of a, I don't know, a foggy period of, for me. So to write about that liminal state between abject not knowing and how do you pull apart that knot and then make a song about that in-between state and I don't know maybe sort of press pause on time and just zero in on a moment which is when you're considering what's supposed to be going on and then to focus in on that and write about it you know it's a private sort of reckoning and so I considered my sort of privacy going directly into other people's that same place in them. Feist shares about the creative process behind this album and how it reflects her growth as an artist. Writing songs is a way that I have often used in times that I've probably experienced as just as challenging, but in retrospect, I can see weren't. It's a very liquidy infrastructure in there. It, it is malleable and mutable. It changes, but it still holds me up. It's the way I make sense of my Rubik's Cube that is never going to be solved, of how I approach the problems that face me and whether I make them worse or better, basically, I suppose, is maybe the aspiration. It's a puzzle that's been solved this far, and if I can put something in that container of a song that gives me a few clues, I just I can plant them for myself. It's a problem I can continue solving for the next 40 years. Continuing to rack up peak experiences, Feist joined the remaining members of the Tragically Hip at the Juno Awards in 2021 in their first television appearance since the death of lead singer Gord Downey. Feist's journey is a remarkable example of how diverse influences and a strong sense of place can shape an artist's work. From the punk clubs of Calgary to Grammy nominations and international acclaim, her path is a testament to the power of innovation and authenticity in music. Playing the older stuff is great. It's getting into a time machine for me. And I love some of those songs and they continue to tell me new stories. I appreciate which ones have been resilient enough to be able to do that and then which ones have fallen by the wayside. And so the old material's fun, but you know, I'm kind of getting less nostalgic with time, so I'm more interested in now and later. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Cartoons, where we've explored the inspirational musical journey of Leslie Feist. Her story is one of artistic courage and a deep connection to her roots, reminding us all of the enduring power of music to reflect who we are and where we come from. Cartoons, proudly supported by Cam Clark Ford. Friendly, fun, professional. 
They're all about providing the best deal, outstanding service, and year-round peace of mind. Visit them at camclarkford.com. 